The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. Here is a question I received that I find um, interesting. Because I think years ago I would have thought the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, dear Dr. Kenner, kindly, I would like to know how do psychologists avoid depression? So what images come to your mind? You know, someone comes into a psychologist's office and they're depressed and they're suicidal or someone come, a family comes into a psychologist's office and they're fighting, mom and dad are yelling at the kids and yelling at each other. You know, how does a psychologist keep her head above water or keep his head above water? So I'll continue with the email. They want to, This person wants to know, how do psychologists avoid depression? To me, they seem superior and could help many many who suffer mental disorders. But as we know, um, but as we know that humans are not made to bear others' pressure on them, I wonder how psychologists themselves avoid depression. I really hope you could give me an answer as I am taking psychology in universities as my major. Many thanks, Clara. Um, this is a good, as I said, this is a very good question. Yesterday I was talking to a police officer, Clara, and I saw the gun on his waist, and I was aware that he puts himself in life and death situations. I was imagining him walking into the middle of a street fight, and I said to him, you've got a tough job. And he just looked at me, he smiled politely, and he said, no job is tough if you love what you're doing, and of course, if you know what you're doing too. So I don't have his skills or his passion for going into dangerous, life-threatening situations. So for me, being a police officer, his job is tough. It is similar with clinical psychology. If you love the detective work of helping other people solve their own problems and giving them the skills for a lifetime so that they can solve their problems on their own. If you love the mind, if you love teaching thinking skills, the job can be exhilarating, not depressing. And because what it's telling me is that change is possible. If there's something in you that you want to improve, whether you're overweight or you're smoking and you want to give up smoking, or you know you have a temper and you want to change that, or you have been a lifetime procrastinator and you want to change that, or you feel like you've always been pessimistic and you want to improve that, you want, you really want to remake yourself, it is possible. It is not possible just by wishing it or praying for it or uh, hoping that something will change with time. It's not this nebulous change. You get specific. How can you change? How can you change yourself? And I love seeing that psychology is causal and that you can learn the principles and skills to lead a happier life. So you need to have, number one, the proper ideas of how, how the mind works. And when you go through school, whether it's college or even high school or graduate school, or if you're studying clinical psychology, you are going to be fed a whole bunch of of different theories about how the mind works. And man, if you're given the wrong instruction manual for the mind, you're going to not know how to help people as a clinical psychologist. But if you have the right instruction manual, if you have a reality-based, fact-based, and principled guide to help people, it's going to be much easier and enjoyable for you. So here's what I recommend. <coughs> 
The foundation to any good theory is having it based on a rational philosophy, not a mystical, oozy philosophy where everything just seems shapeless. And there's the rational philosophy that I go by is the philosophy of objectivism by Ayn Rand. There is an objective reality and you can know it. And you can get her books. That you can go to my website and read her fiction first. Uh, fascinating for that she's both a... Uh, um, a philosopher and a novelist. You can read Atlas Shrugged, one of the best-selling books now, and The Fountainhead. And you can also read, if you're more technical, The Virtue of Selfishness, or you can read uh, Objectivism, The Philosophy of Ayn Rand um, by Len Dr. Leonard Peikoff. The second is to have wonderful skills. You can get skills from many different therapy methods, from, excuse me, different schools of therapy, provided you provide the rational basis for them. Uh, for example, I learned from family therapy, from motivational interviewing, uh, from humanistic psychologists, but the gold standard of therapy I say is cognitive therapy. They teach wonderful thinking skills. So you can draw on many schools. So you want to look at psychology as becoming a detective of the mind and you better yourself in the process. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. Toll free 1-877-DRKENNER. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the Serious Romance Guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. To use introspection to become a better romantic partner, learn to understand your emotions. Otherwise, you'll feel moved by mysterious forces that you can neither comprehend nor control. In other words, subconscious ideas. Nor is it attractive to your romantic partner if you have no idea why you respond to him or her as you do. Don't expect your partner to understand you if you do not understand yourself. Demanding that your partner spend hours upon hours probing your subconscious when you have no idea what's in there creates an impossible burden. If you expect this from your partner, consider consulting a therapist to help learn about yourself. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.